Ladies and gentlemen, the Chris Roach Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Chris Roach Show. This is episode eight. Episode eight. The last episode was a two-parter. I was going to say seven, but seven was uh, part two of, uh, what did we talk about last time? And reality shows. The unreality of reality. Uh, <laughs> the unreality of reality shows, where I told uh, I talked about my experience on one, and, and you guys had some funny ad-libs as well. This week, we are talking about video games and the history of video games and uh, just some of our experiences now. Unlike our topics in the past, which I'm just riffing off the top of my head, I actually did a little research because my other podcast, Long Island Explained, we talk about, you know, things like Avenue Horror House, we interview Long Island celebs, but we also, on the list of things to talk about, was um, the first video game, and there's, there, there, there are there's an argument out there between the video game connoisseurs when the first game was invented, Um but in at the Brookhaven National Laboratory in 1958, on an uh, created on an oscilloscope, you know those circle uh, submarine-looking uh, screens. Yes. Uh, this guy created tennis for two. Hmm. Tennis for two. Now it said other people say 1940. Some guy created a, a computer. Uh, to play a game called NIM, some kind of computer. I don't know, like maybe like a tic-tac-toe or something. But this is the guy, this guy, Dr. Higginbotham, who uh, passed away in Bellport, Long Island, 1994, worked at the Brookhaven National Laboratory. Um, he was a scientist over there. And he created the first, I guess you, was, I guess you could call it head-to-head uh, video game. And that was 1958. And people on Long Island, from what I read, waited in line and crowded around this thing. They, they couldn't wait to play it. Um, and I think soon after that, somebody came out with Pong. Now, this guy, Dr. Higginbotham, Higginbotham, he never, he never thought to patent it. He could have been like a billionaire, but he never patented it. Patented, I'm stuttering. He never patented it. it. How do I say? He never patented it. Right. Such a such a horrible <laughs> yeah. Long Island, such a horrible Long Island accent. He never patented it, it, you know. And um but he also said he also didn't want that video game to overshadow his other accomplishments. He is responsible for 20 government patents for circuiting. Circuiting. I mean, I'm trying to do my best enunciation pronunciation. So he got 20 patents for other things and didn't get one for Atari. Did not get one for Atari. Um, so he died penniless in Bellport. Great. Oh, penniless in Bellport, hanging out in Painter's Pub over there. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I, I read that uh, that we, we, we were actually going to do a uh, an episode and we haven't gotten around to it, but um, I can't remember what year Pong came out, but wait, I do have here. Hold on. No, I have. I had I had Pong, and I would say Pong is the seventies, mid seventies. I have it right here. I'm sorry, 1940. They say the first video game at the World's Fair, which can be disputed, I guess. 1958, Mr. Higgin, Dr. Higgin Bowden, created uh, tennis for two, which is like a Pong. Never, never patented it. I can't even say that word. Never patented. patented. 
never patented it. it. And 1974, 1972, uh, Magnavox Odyssey hits the shelves. And the same year Odyssey goes on sale, video game maker Atari launches Pong. But uh, I think Pong was around, my father, I remember it was probably like 1974, 75. I'm probably, I'm, I'm like five, six years old. He came home with a box called Pong and it had like 70 different games on it. Maybe not, okay, let's say it had 20 different games on it, but they were all variations of Pong. It was tennis for two. Uh, then it was like two paddles on either side. You could play four-way and that was called... Uh, two-way tennis then there was hockey they would change the board up a little bit but it was just pong and i remember begging uh my, my siblings to play with me i was hooked on I, I always i call myself an og original gamer i've been playing video games like my nieces nephews into this uh fortnight i'm like you kids don't know <laughs> that's the talks now that's the talks that elders have with kids back then it was like i walked uphill to school both ways and i had to go down and get ice from my mother and bring it up five flights of steps now we're like, you kids don't know video games. You don't know video games. I had to play Pong with my brothers and beg them to play me. Um, so that came out Pong. Now, John, you said you had Pong? I had the, yeah, the original Atari. I remember it had three games. It had um, tennis. Right. Then it had what they called squash. You can play alone. It was basically the little white line. You just hit it against the wall. Yeah. That was squash. And then I had hockey, which you had just two pongs on each side. So basically it was it, it was a, another version of pong before Atari started That's coming out. With, yeah. Oh, by the way, if you guys have something to ad lib, you, you just raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> just like in school. Um, 1977, Atari releases its first video game computer system. Which, can, which included classic games like Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, and Frogger. And that just took, that was like, that's where it all exploded, I think. Yep. Because after that, my friend and I used to play Space Invaders all day. I was never much of a Frogger guy. I found it to be tedious. And uh, I felt That's bad. when the, the other big one was, um, came out right on the tails of Atari, was uh, ColecoVision. ColecoVision was great. They had they, football. Yes. Oh, ColecoVision, Tecmo football, was it? Tecmo? Te yeah. It, video games, just it, just like cell phones, as like every year a new console came out and they just got better and better. I mean, now I haven't played Madden football in a while, but it looks so real that you're like, wait a second, are those real people? That's how it is now. It's it looks crazy. like a real game. It's crazy. Um, And I used to love this game. When the first adventure game I remember playing was called adventure and it was on Atari and it was all like pretty much like uh, Minecraft is uh, where it's all like blocks and you had to like take this guy and, and get these keys and go into these castles and those different screens and these dragons chased you, but they were horrible block looking dragons. And I thought that was the greatest thing. It was like a whole world, but who, who knew that, you know, years later we'd be playing uh, Skyrim. You ever play Skyrim? I heard of it. Skyrim. See, I'm somewhere in the middle because, like, I'm not really in the, you know, my roommate here plays Call of Duty pretty much every night. Right. 
and I just I can't get into it. But I like everything in the middle. Like I like Grand Theft Auto. I like Mario Kart 64. I got this gaming machine here. I play. I was just playing Mrs. Pac-Man before. Oh, I can't. But we're gonna get into that. I can't wait to try out that now because that now you're hitting me where and we're getting up to that now. That's that's the '80s we're talking about there. Your machine you have there. Um, yes. So. Um, now Skyrim and also uh, Grand Theft Auto, they're like worlds. You could drive, get in a helicopter and drive across the city and stuff. It's just unbelievable. And one one of the um, was it Grand Theft Auto Five was kind of like based on New York, where you could actually fly to Liberty Island, and it is just insane. You could run over prostitutes with your car and, and take their money and stuff. It's just <laughs> you could pick up a prostitute and and like. And do things. It's just crazy that what, what the way it is now. Um, See, I played Pong, Chris, and then I didn't play a video for another twenty years. Like <laughs> I never really played video games. I played Pong in the seventies. The longest I've never played video games is probably now. I haven't played them in about six or seven months because, like, I, I I was just I wasn't getting any any work done, and uh, because especially a game, there's a game that. My all-time favorite game was the whole Gears of War. Uh, you've heard of Gears of War? Yes. Gears of War was so addictive. You take five guys, whether they, they be your friends or people from across the country, and you're fighting off waves of alien attacks. And, and there's like, you can get knocked down. If you get knocked down, somebody has to pick you up. So there's like an element of camaraderie that I liked. I never liked playing the live version where you're playing other people. Because there are some people that are so good, like it's like you're dead in three seconds. And there's also the headsets. There's like there's one guy I befriended. Uh, he was from Texas, and I could tell. I one time I wrote to him. I said, "Hey man, just wanted to know." I said, "Are you uh are you like oh, like let's say uh I forgot how I worded it. Are you like um middle aged or something like that?" I said, "Are you like over thirty years old?" I said, I get the sense that you're not a young kid. By the way you play, he has like this. Uh, the young kids, I feel like an old man saying this. You young kids, when you play video games and somebody gets knocked down or shot, you don't go over and help them. Where anytime I got shot, if I was across the board, this guy would beeline towards me and pick me up. And I'm like, this guy has, uh, you know, he's got a code about about him, a a code of ethics, if you will, um, a code of honor. He would pick, and I'm the same way. Like I'm playing. One of my players gets shot. I run over to him, help him, and then take cover. So um, what I did with that game was I was so addicted to it. Years of War 2, 3, 4, they came out that I was working on this script one time, and I took the video game out of the console, and I handed it to Diane, and I said, do not give this back to me until I show you a first draft of the script that I'm working on. And I haven't played in a while because I know if I play, I'm going to be playing until the sun comes up. Uh, anyway, so anyway, there's one guy I, I befriended. Uh, let's just call him uh, uh, Doodoo95. <laughs> so Doodoo95, we never spoke. Now, when you play a video game, a lot of time the other players will ask you to, uh, you know, through i forgot how it's through like a message instant message almost they'll ask you to put your headset on i don't put my headset on because in my brain i'm playing with four other men and we're fighting this battle right against waves and waves of aliens now 
One time I put the headset on and we're playing. All of a sudden he had, Jimmy, it's time for dinner. I'll be right there, mom. I'm like, oh, you just ruined my fantasy that I'm playing uh, with other comrades. Um, so anyway, this guy, Doodoo95, one day I see he's next to, I think next to the name of the, the person's handle, it says whether or not they have a headset on. I saw he had a headset on. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk to this guy. I put my headset on. And we're playing with a couple of guys from Mexico. It's amazing how you play with guys from around the world. He was, he started screaming all this kind of racist crap at them. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been, I'm friends with a Nazi. I'm friends with, with, with a KKK member over here. Just listening to this guy talk. I'm like, yeah, I, I got to go. And I never put my headset on again. One, <laughs> one was because of the incident where the kid blew my bubble when I found out he was a kid, not, not a man fighting in the war with me. And the other one was when I finally got to hear the guy I've been playing with for like two years and became friends with. And we were like comrades in battle. And then I find out he's the biggest racist. I'm like, oh, God. So it reminds me of the Sebastian bit, actually. Sebastian Maniscalco? Where he says, you know, back in the day, there was crazy people and they would be like alone in a basement somewhere and not be yes. able to contact anyone. And now with the Internet, you're able to just interact with these people on a daily basis. I don't, right. That's not the exact wording, but that was the main idea of the, of the, of the joke. Side note. Um, I have a friend that works for uh, the MSG network. If you ever watch the MSG network, sometimes he's on ESPN. His name is Arda Ocal. And we became good friends. This guy, Arda and Arda invited me. He goes, Hey man, I'm hosting the NHL 94 tournament at the long Island retro gamers expo. Now, you just reminded me of what you said about people in their basement living alone, uh, people in their houses. There was, when I walked into this place, it was crowded with people. And I, I, I'm looking around like the FBI should be here profiling some of these people because it, <laughs> it looked like every guy, every, every man in his 30s living in their mother's basement. So, but this NHL 94 has like a cult following and they have these tournaments around the country. And Arda's like, yeah, yeah, man, it's a, it's a big thing. Uh, they were having like a, a tournament, and it was like, say, uh, 20 TVs, and, and you know, they were playing. If you lost, you were out. It was, you know, like a regular tournament. And Arda's like, see that guy over there? Yeah, he flew in from Chicago. He's last year's world champion. I'm like, <laughs> what? why 94, though? Like, was there something specific about I don't know why NHL 94. Why not 95? Why not 96? 94? I, I don't know why. It yeah, just, it just, it's, uh, you know, the graphics are like, okay, but for some reason that's the one people like, and, uh, he ended up hooking me up. He goes, you want to play? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I used to be good at this game years ago when I played it, but I haven't played in a while. He goes, he goes, come on, you can play against Colton Orr. I was like, Colton Orr's here now as a hockey guy, Colton Orr is an enforcer. He was an enforcer for the New York Rangers. And he was an enforcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's a, he's a really, uh, you know, we were talking about Clark Gillies actually before this podcast started. If you look up the top enforcers in the NHL, you, top 20, you'll see Clark Gillies. You'll see Colton Orr. Um, so I saw playing Colton Orr in NHL 94. And he's like winning to nothing. And then I'm like, oh, I remember this move. I remember that move. Then I start coming back where I start getting, I start dominating and I score a goal. And then a flashback in my head, he fought this guy named John Scott. John Scott is six foot eight 
and Colton Orr say, like say Colton Orr six one. Colton Orr, like you see people get knocked out in the face and they and they drop. Colton Orr hit this guy with a body shot. And the only way I could describe it is he went down. You ever see when they when they professionally implode a building with with dynamite and stuff like that? He went straight down and was out. He knocked out six foot eight John Scott. I'm like, oh my God, I I I better start losing here or something. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up being a really cool guy and we became friends. And and he he, he keeps telling me anytime I'm up near the uh he kind of lives like near Connecticut, New York, where they meet over there. He's like, let me know. I'll come out with my wife. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Colton Orr. I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> so that was my. Uh, Chell. Chell. Yeah. They call it Chell now, right? That's uh, I went to a all boys boarding school that was uh, very focused on hockey. Chris Higgins actually went to uh, my boarding school. That's right. Chris Higgins played on the Montreal Canadiens. Did he play for the Rangers too for a little he bit? He played for the Rangers. I knew his brother, Rob. I went to school with him. There's two younger them. brother. Yeah. The, wait, there was Long Chris Island Higgins. guys. There was two Long Island guys that were out. It was Chris Higgins and someone else. I thought that one was from Smithtown. I'm trying to think. That's so bad. If anyone that I went to high school with listened to this, they would get very upset because it was like common knowledge around campus. Well, uh, right. A couple more grads was uh, Nick Benino. Okay. I don't know if he was he he wasn't Long Island though. He went I, to Avon. I know the name, but Long Island is really starting to represent in the NHL. Side note, yeah. like guys like on the Rangers, Adam Fox, who's one of the best guys to come out of Long Island, and you have other guys. Uh, uh, Charlie McCoy and uh, who else? I'm trying to think. Anyway, yeah, some real a lot of good hockey players. Who's the goalie for the LA Kings? Uh that's uh, Jonathan Quick. John Quick went to Avon Old Farms where yeah. I went to high school. My brother had stats with him. Won two Stanley Cups. Um, yeah, this middle, a lot of good hockey players. I'm so we didn't mean to. Uh, sorry about the side. Uh, that's my ADD. You show me a butterfly and I'm off track. Right, John Ziegler. Uh, just for the record, I live in a basement apartment alone, but I don't play video games. That's <laughs> you know a what? Big... You're a cut above the rest, John Z. So I don't know where I profile. You're okay, but some of these people, I'm telling you, I, I was frightened. Um, let's get back on my list. 1977 was Atari. 1983. This and I, I saw pictures of this somewhere. There was a uh, Atari put out a game called ET and it was so bad that they thought it was going to deter people from playing video games. It was so bad um, that they actually dug in New Mexico. They dug a giant, they dug a giant hole and they filled it with all these old video game cartridges, especially mostly ET and they filled in the hole and they buried it. Now, People actually go out there and, and, and diggers and they're trying to uncover these video games, these vintage video games. Um, yeah, so that was in, yeah, it's buried, blah, blah, blah. It was based on the movie, considered the worst game ever made. Wow. The, the company ended up, <laughs> the company ended up burying thousands of the game cartridges in the New Mexico desert. Uh, one guy said it was so bad, the market was so saturated at one point. That when this game came out, people were like, we're done with video games. Um, and they actually had people were going out into the desert, like like now, like 2021. And they're still sifting through the desert trying to find these buried video games. You know how hard it is to make a game worse than Pong? Right? 
boop. I've, I, I played some bad ones like Friday the 13th came out one where you had to like fight Jason's mother's head uh, and ultimately fight Jason. And, and you, you look at that game, I go, that was pretty bad. Um, when did Intellivision come out? You remember Intellivision? Yeah, Intellivision. What was the game they had that was really good? It was like some spaceship that was going through like an underground. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the game. Not Super Contra. Uh, 1985 Nintendo NES came out. And actually, uh, 1985, since we're on that date, um, but, 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 yo, okay, so that's when I graduated high school, right? And that's when the 80s, before we passed the 80s with this timeline, the 80s was big, uh, arcades. Now, I remember Fridays when I was like, say, 13 years old, my father would give us allowance on Fridays, it was five dollars. Dad, can we have our allowance? Like, what the hell do we do to earn it? I don't know, but we got an allowance. And we would go up to the corner, and there was a T-shirt place, a, t- a place that made T-shirts. I was telling you about this, Mike. A place that made T-shirts, but they also had, like, four or five video games. One of them was Dig Dug, and that became my game where I had the high score. I I, I, I had the high score. I was, like, 500, 600,000, and I, was, I thought I was, like, the coolest thing that I had the high score in Dig Dug at T-Shirt Palace. <laughs> So um, your name your name would be on the machine, or did you have like a no? Did you have a you, player at the name? end of the game. It would be three initials schoolers. CBR. It always asks for you, those old games. Always ask for your initials. Now, John remembers because he's of my age. In all the malls on Long Island, they had a place called Time Out. Now, when you walked into Time Out as a kid, I comp- it's like the equivalent of an adult walking into an Atlantic City casino, a Las Vegas casino, that kind of energy where you're like, oh my God, I smell cigarettes and, uh, and, and, and spilled soda. <laughs> I smell cigarettes and musty carpet and spilled soda and all that stuff. And the, it was just, it was magical. But, you know, 25, 25 cents a game, uh, each game maybe lasted, if you were lucky, like three to five minutes. And, you know, $5 could go in like an hour quicker i don't know what was your favorite game john i wasn't a big i used to go but i i i really never played video games in the 80s and it was also where if you were gonna meet a chick ski ball i played ski Ski ball Ball. i I still like ski ball i know ski ball is a game from like the 50s with those i used to get uh for eight thousand tickets you can get a back scratcher or an egg timer Do you know what ski ball is there, Nicolia? I know ski ball. Of course, ski they still have everybody knows ski ball. Cheese and stuff. That's how I game. felt going into Chuck E. Cheese, Jillian's. Yeah. But then Dave and Buster's bought out Jillian's. I Jillian's, mean, I, I got all right. the chain. Jillian's. I forgot about Jillian's. I forgot all about Jillian's. Wow. I used to go to Block Island with my family, and in that little marina, they had an arcade that's actually still there with a game called cruising USA. And it was like, you sat down. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah. You drove the car. You picked New York. Uh, They had cruising international. I think it was called. They had like Japan, uh, all that stuff. It was a, it was a big uh, series that, and I don't know if you, uh, even early, there was something called pole position, but I remember when those games came out that were like these encapsulated where you were sitting inside it. That was really cool. Um, there was some really uh, back in the old days. There were games. When I say old days, I mean like eighties, seventies, eighties. There was a game. Uh, what was it called? It was like you looked through like uh, it was like you were in a submarine and you were looking through the submarine goggles. The sh- what are they called? The uh, what are you, the telescope, yeah. periscope, the, pe- the periscope. 
and you would shoot like uh, ships and stuff like that. And they made it look like it was like a real, it was like underwater. Like, uh, well, they made it look like everything was like that green, uh, the green lighting, like you were on a real submarine. That was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Why Two summers ago, before this pandemic, you've heard of the Bosch belt. You know what the Bosch yeah, belt is? That, that was where uh, the comedians worked in like the 50s and yeah, 60s, Like the Catskills. Right? The Catskills. Right. So I did an outdoor resort there. It was very much like Dirty Dancing. Everybody right. lived in bungalows. That's what that's based on. That's what that's based on, Dirty Dancing. That was that era. Yes. So I did a place two summers ago. And um, it was stuck in like 1980. Oh, I think I know the name of it. It was like the last one left. Yeah, but people stayed there all summer, and it was very yeah. much like a dirty dancing. Yeah. But a little – it's pretty run down now. And yeah. uh, they had a clubhouse, and you went into the clubhouse. They had like knock hockey tables yeah. and ping pong tables and like stuff like that. But they had all those old original video games in there. Yeah, like of course the the probably the like top Pac selling Man's, Pac yeah. Man, the top selling of all time. I I became a Miss Pac Man fan. I love Miss Pac Man. Uh, another game called Gorf. I really liked. What a name, Gorf. Hey, Gorf. I kind of want to fire up my machine. I know. I can't wait to check that out, man. As soon as you get vaccinated, I'm coming over. But, uh... <laughs> okay. Damn. You know what? I keep saying that I'm not going to, but. For the sake of this podcast, I think I might have to. Yeah, everybody keeps saying that. Uh, you know, uh... you know, it's kind of weird. Is I don't love. Nobody likes pinball, but everybody likes pinball machines. Yeah, I can't believe how much they cost because I tried getting one for this. To buy one, I'll like forget it. Especially they're very cool looking. But who enjoys playing pinball? It's the, with the two flippers. That's the worst game. No, I, I played pinball. But think about pinball is like once the game's over, you're like, oh, I don't have to play this again for another 30 years. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> my, my uncle had the coolest one. He had a Twilight Zone uh, pinball game in his, in his uh, I guess it was the playroom. Yeah, there are certain ones that like say Space Invaders uh, version and the Kiss. The Kiss. The kiss that's machine. what I was. The Kiss yeah. one. Was, that's yeah. a good one. Great yeah, Neck probably. Games in, uh, I guess, Great Neck Mineola uh, has a Playboy pinball machine. He has the Simpsons. Right, Charlie's oh, Charlie's some... Angels was a big one. Yeah, at T-shirt at the T-shirt Palace, I remember this a friend of mine, Jerry. He was playing. Oh, man, I'm, this is memories from when I'm 13, 14. He was playing a, a pinball game, and you know how they have the bumpers up top, those circles that bounce the ball. Yeah, the yeah. ball, the ball got stuck between two bumpers and stayed there for like the entire night. I mean, you couldn't plan that. So I'm like, wow. So you, I'm like, this guy probably got the all-time high score ever. He was stuck there for like an hour. Um, is there any skill at all involved in pinball? You know what? There actually is. It's it's the timing. I, I learned a couple of tricks. Like a couple of guys I knew that were good at pinball back in the day, they would like press the flipper and hold it. So when the ball came down, they would trap the ball. Instead of like just hitting it right away, they would stop the ball. And then they were like, Look, they were they could aim where they were to shoot the ball by first stopping it. It was really uh, it's really something. It's really, you know, those kind of those kind of skills and talents are, aren't respected today, and I, I, that's what's wrong with society. I think. You know, so, 1989, Sega Genesis. That was another game changer. 
Sonic, which I think they just made a movie about Sonic with Jim Carrey, right? Which was supposed to be a. Is it Jim Carrey? Is that who's in it? Um, Jim Carrey I... plays the bad guy. Yeah. Yes. How was that rated? I don't know what kind of reviews that got, but uh, uh, it's on next... a, it's under the kids. When you go to like uh, Amazon, right? It's put in with the kid categories. Okay. It's on Disney Plus, or yeah, so I, think I think it, it might think be on Hulu. I think it's considered a kids film. Sega was. I remember playing when Sega came out. I'm like, there's nothing going to be better than Sega. This is it. Sega is where it's going to be. You know, the cartridges, the graphics. Um, then in here's a big event 1992 to 93 was the first time we saw blood in video games. And one of the games that had it was a game I loved called Mortal Kombat. But I know you could, a lot of the games today have it, maybe it's a, a law, but you could opt to uh turn the blood off. Oh, okay, less so, violent. Yeah, I mean, the, the one move, this one guy, he would, like, rip the guy out in his spine where it's, like, dripping blood. So that was the first time you saw blood uh, in a video game. I used game. to play with my nephew, and he was seven. And he right. knew how to play. I didn't know how to play. So, like, I'd get all wobbly, and they'd be like, finish him. But there's, like, finish several him. ways. Mortal Kombat. You can kill me several different ways. And he would, like, pull my spine out and show it to me. Yes, that was, like, <laughs> was, that, was that the yellow guy who did that? I don't remember. He was like seven and he'd be like just toying with me and then he'd pull my heart out. It'd be beaten in his hand. Right. I've, I've had women do that to me, but uh... by the way, right before we did this podcast, I was watching YouTube and um, I just saw the new for the new Mortal Kombat movie. Yes, I saw that. That looks, it looks good. It look, I don't like video games, but I've definitely seen that movie. All right. We are up to uh, oh, so the the um, getting back to the arcades, um, the the arcades. You don't ask me if I want to upgrade. No. Okay, getting back to the arcades, the arcades, especially with Sega Genesis in the eighties and nineties, started dying out. But there was one game that helped the arcades survive, where there was a resurgent. As resurgence, and in 1987, a game came out called Double Dragon, and it was made for the arcades only. It was just it was just a karate game. You were fighting karate. It was almost like Mortal Kombat, and that caused a resurgence in the arcades for a little while. Now, the arcades died out in the 90s, and you'll, you'll still you'll still you'll still see you will still see video games out there, art, little arcades, but. I read that in arcades are still very big in Japan. Mm -hmm. They're very big in Japan and uh, they never went away, I guess. Uh, or maybe they, maybe they came back in Japan where a lot of video games come from. Um, isn't that where the company Tecmo was from? The Tecmo Bowl? I don't know. But, uh, you know, what they do now is like, you know how you play, uh, they have these things now where, they have video game trucks where, like, say, a trailer pulls up to your house, and on yeah the... for for birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, and and like I did something like that. Getting back to Gears of War, when I got on Kevin Can Wait, you know, I couldn't wait to find out about these uh, secret parties, the secret parties of the of the rich and famous, and, and so. <laughs> 
so that made me laugh so hard. right i'm like where are, are there any orgies no no that was the 80s we don't do that anymore there's no more orgies but there's still secret parties for the rich and famous and now you're on a tv show and so i remember one day uh chael and i ryan cartwright who played chael on kevin can wait we became good friends and we're still good friends and we would always talk about video games. In fact, he would jump on and he would play Gears of War with me sometimes when I was at home. He knew I loved Gears of War. So one day he says to me, hey, Gears of War 4 is coming out and there's going to be a release party, private, you know, invite only. Do you want to go with me? I'm like, yeah. So I meet him in the city. We go to some door that's that's like locked. And there's somebody out front with a clipboard. I'm like, this is so great. This is everything I ever dreamed of, these secret parties. She looked at our name on a list. She's, then she looked at the guy. The guy buzzed us in. We went inside, walked 10 feet to a desk where they gave us our lanyards with our names on it, with the Gears of War pass. And uh, so we go up the elevator and we come out and there's somebody there greeting us. And there's women walking around with... Uh, hors d'oeuvre train not just women people in uh, servers walking around and uh with uh you know hors d'oeuvre trays uh there's probably like say 50 or 60 people there that's it there's a bar the bartender is is pouring dom perion in uh in paper cups i'm like okay i'm drinking tom perion in a paper or plastic cup who uh, else was there the cast from saturday night live no yeah, I didn't get to meet any of them that day. Like later on, I, I got to meet, uh, you know, Leslie Jones. I, I did a few shows with her at the comic strip. She's really cool. And I got to uh, sit next to, uh, what's his name? At a Ranger game, who was also a very cool dude. Pete, uh, is it Pete? Uh, what the Peter? Davidson. Pete, Pete, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. And when I sat next to him at the Ranger game, with the Ranger game I'm like, hey, man, I saw you at the uh, Years of War uh, party. He's like, yeah. And it was, it, they had TV set up and people that created the game are walking around and uh you know telling you a little bit about the game like I'm, I, this guy is standing behind me and he's like yeah so what you do my like, guy yeah i, I played gizu up for a guy i know i know like, I knew the, <laughs> but there were all these new features and uh you know i remember seeing like cicely strong just sitting there she obviously didn't like video games she was sitting there just like talking to like uh someone else and i'm like oh my god i'm in the inner circle that i always heard about and what and at the end when they left when you left they gave you a gears of war limited edition collector's xbox console and i still have it no nah. it's, like, it's like this burgundyish blood red console and on the console it has a scratch like a claw scratch across it and i still have that it's like a, I, I guess i should try to sell it maybe make some money but uh that's so sick yeah that was really cool i'm a nerd for random stuff like that that was my you know that was my first experience where i'm like oh my god this is what it's like to be uh, famous or almost famous um so then they brought out the cocaine and the strippers no that wasn't there it's the wow. worst hollywood inside story i know i'm sorry i wish there was a better <laughs> I, I wish i wish there was a better ending one time i was at a range game and i was hanging out with uh keenan thompson between periods not like i met him there I, he was there watching the game i saw him before the game i said hey man i love you on snl and i told him which skits i like he is the sweetest guy in the world he just got his own show too he deserves yeah. it and then you know what he says to me at the end of the game they you know there's like a little um lounge where they put the they put you in between periods the celeb section you know 
mm-hmm. me barely being a celeb. So, uh, you know, they know me as a Ranger fan too. So at the end of the game, Keenan Thompson comes up to me and he goes, so what do you guys do now? I was like, what? He goes, what do you guys do now? Is it like a, an after party or something like that? I'm like, no, Keenan, this is it. Uh, sometimes we go uh, on the corner of 31st and 8th and get a pretzel. But uh, other than <laughs> <laughs> he was so cool he was such that a good guy that dude's been on television his whole he life did, well he did keenan and kel then he's been on snl for like 13 years right he's I think very he has stable he does very have the record sketch comedy career he does have the record now hold on a second i'm trying to see if i covered everything uh the gaming expo or oh, there's one game i'd like to talk about okay i'm trying to find this game now uh, did it, did it, did it, 1994 PlayStation is born PlayStation with games like Resident Evil. First time I played Resident Evil, it was like kind of the first, it was like being in a horror movie. It's, you know, we would play it with the lights off. The girl I was dating at the time, we would turn the lights off and we play it. And it literally scared the shit out of you. <sighs> Resident Evil, you know, they based movies on it. Yeah, there's um, like six of them with that uh, Mila Djokovic, whatever her name is. Yes. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to part one of our little chat about video games. Tune in next week for part two with some more fun stories. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, be sure to email us at Show at gmail.com. That's Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.